0: Welcome to The Short Game, a show where we discuss short video games. I'm one of your hosts, Shane Kelly, and I'm joined this week, as in every week, by my illustrious cadre of co-hosts. Um, first off, we have Laura Nash. How you doing, Laura?
1: I'm doing pretty well. How about yourself?
0: Can't complain Life is good. Nate, I, uh, I hesitate to ask, how are you doing,
2: Nate? <laughs> I'm doing... Ju- <laughs> I'm doing well. I'm glad to be here. i uh, I listened to the uh, last episode and a couple things. so you guys are very sweet. Thank you. Her name is Lola um, that I is love the it. Baby's name. I knew that. Yes. Um, we are not we're not gonna be live streaming the social security number, though I do appreciate the idea. Uh, we actually I, I learned that you don't even really get that immediately. So currently she is off the grid and we are Aww. considering. Keeping it that Ooh, way. Yeah, keep it that I'm way. gonna call Ice, ice. Mm-hmm. The Forest. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm good. Um, th- that weird combination of like super, super tired, but also kind of wired at all times. So uh, yeah, a lot of lot of time to uh, play some games on my phone. So this right sort of worked out for us.
0: Sweet transition, Nate. Yep. How you doing, Reagan? I'm really good, and, and I'm I'm super happy to uh, to welcome Lola. To the podcast, I assume she's named after the illustrious anthropomorphic rabbit character that we all know and love, right?
2: Naturally, I mean that's that's the only the only other Lola I've ever ne- heard of. So um,
0: mm-hmm. I think Damn she's Yankees. clearly named after the Lola who was a showgirl that worked at the Copacabana, <laughs> and I really like that name, Nate. I'm, that's she yeah, contains that's
1: multitudes, guys. Indeed,
2: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. quit trying to put her, uh, you know, in a corner. Okay, now, so, I'm trying to put nobody... her on
0: the basketball court. With Bugs Bunny,
2: <laughs> I'm assuming she'll she'll probably be a guest on this show within the next couple weeks, anyway. So I'm um, sure, just screaming in the background, probably <laughs>
0: beautiful. She can pick the beautiful. next game, and yeah, this week we're talking about card games. Like two games, we're talking about two different games, and really we're bringing it together to uh, give hopefully discuss. Uh, every aspect of card games on mobile, which uh, is really going to be impossible. We're going to focus on just two card games. We're going to look at, uh, first, Card Thief, and second, we're going to look at Missile
2: Cards.
1: They luckily put cards right in the title so we know what we're getting into. Uh, they're both pretty recent releases. I mean, Missile Cards just came out um, on iOS relatively, you know, in the last couple weeks, and Card Thief hasn't been out that much longer either.
0: Yeah, they're both um, they're both really great games on mobile. Um, you can you can. What I love about these sort of sort of games, what I love about card games, is that they really fit the. What I think is the best kind of mobile game, which is the kind of game where if you have to look away from your phone in order to get on or off of an elevator, uh, nothing happens <laughs> That's actually a really good point. I think that the like iPhone games in order to be really successful have to be something where at literally any second you can you know hit that lock button, put it in your pocket and get it out you know 15 minutes later and you're you know you're not immediately gonna fall in a pit.
2: Yeah, or accept a phone call. I mean, I, I know I have been, uh, especially this last uh, two weeks. I'd be sitting there playing Missile Cards, and then it's like huh! when it switches entirely to you know mom or something on my uh, <laughs> on my screen. Um, and and these two games, uh, you know, we kind of putting them together too because they are accomplishing something that we think is really interesting. Uh, it's a like a merger of genres, uh, turning games that you would find in other genres into card games so in this case uh like card thief is a stealth game turned into a card game and uh missile cards is like a missile defense game
0: it's yeah it's it's a classic missile command game turned into a card game which i i have to say that's one of my favorite old school arcade games Mm -hmm. uh and so i was very excited to give it a try i think it's uh it's it's really neat what they're doing I mean, other than
1: Hearthstone, everything we liked and talked about in the past has been a genre merger. I mean, Pocket Card Jockey is like horse racing and solitaire. <laughs> yeah. Regency <laughs> Solitaire is a dating sim.
2: I mean, we all knew horse racing and solitaire was going to be merged at some point. I mean, that one, that was you know, low-hanging fruit. That's a give for sure. Yeah, so it's these stealth game and uh, missile defense game. I, for one, never saw it merging into a card game like
0: horse racing horse racing of course (laughs) so for for those who might have missed that episode not too long ago um it seems like although actually it's been a few episodes uh, we did an episode on pocket card jockey on the 3ds which is a game that i completely didn't expect to love um like i don't really like solitaire at all and, um, I often find it kind of stressful t- if it particularly if it's put under a time limit, which pocket card jockey does. But it did some incredibly smart and clever things to kind of twist the solitaire formula while still being recognizably a solitaire game uh, and kind of layering that horse racing theme on top of it like really, really worked. And I haven't played Regency Solitaire, uh Laura. Although I know you've recommended it numerous times, I've just never gotten around to it because it's not on mobile. I think that card games just sort yeah. of naturally make us make sense on mobile devices.
1: It's much much more solitaire um, than anything else, but it's it's solitaire and Elizabeth in not uh, not Elizabeth in England, Regency England. It's in the time. Get it right, <laughs> yeah. please. Get it right,
2: <laughs> please. Do not. Laura, please do not mix up Regency and Elizabethan. I, am I can't even a say book. it. <laughs> None of us can pronounce. Nate, it. <laughs> I am literally
1: reading a book and I got confused. Uh, How dare I read anything?
2: Well, and to be completely honest, I mean, this game, like Missile Cards, it came out on um, PC first, and it, I liked the idea of it right out of the gates. But there was something about going and getting it on PC that just that was like that didn't feel right for me. But I got it on launch day for iOS because it's just like this is the this felt like the right platform for it. And uh, I still feel that way. I'm sure it's just as good on PC, but I just, I, I want it in my pocket. I want to be able to play it, you know, put it in my pocket when I'm halfway through a game. It just fits.
1: Yeah. And sometimes, I mean, we've played games before that found their home on mobile phones, like Mushroom 11. I liked the iPad version a lot better, even though I loved the game before. So I don't know. Card games. I mean, they're designed to fit in a pocket. The card board games that I play are the ones that I actually end up playing more than, um, you know, Dominion is a giant box. Uh, Coup is a small box. Love Letters is nine cards. Yeah. <laughs> the, the smaller the game, the more likely I am to take it to a bar to play it or, in the case of these two, to pull them around.
0: So I think before we uh, dive into details about either of these games, uh, just so that we can compare them as we go along, we should kind of give a brief description of each one and a little bit of how it works. I mean, we mentioned that they are combining, you know, two different genres, card-based kind of gameplay with these other two things, but let's actually get into briefly what each of them is. Well, I'd be happy to take a look at uh, at the, uh, the stealth game here um, at Card Thief. Um, Card Thief is just, to start, it's a stealth game from the creator of uh, Dungeon Cards, I think. Car- is card Crawl. Card Crawl, thank you. So it's, it's you can tell right away from the, the the developer, it's sort of D&D themed, which put it right up my alley, which is what drew my eye to it in the first place. And the other thing that drew my eye to it was the terrific art, uh, which I'm sure we'll spend some time talking about. But let us let me talk about what the game is fundamentally. You've got a grid of nine cards, um, and there's only a, a pretty small list of types of cards. Uh, one of the cards on that grid is you, your thief, who's this little sneaky guy in what almost looks like a plague mask. Uh, and uh, you tap on any of the other cards, any of the eight remaining cards in the grid, uh, to move around. Uh, and your goal is to get through a dungeon through a heist. Um, and that heist is a castle. That's a deck of cards. And so there's a set, um, a set of cards that are going to be being randomly dealt. Uh, and every time you move across a card, you're removing that card from the board and it'll be replaced. Uh, you have to tap on at least two cards, but you can tap on as many as, as eight cards and clear the entire board if you like. Um, Every kind of card does something different. Some of them are guards. That's the number one thing you're, you're watching out for. The guard cards have hmm. a certain direction they're looking, uh, and they have a stealth uh, value or an awareness value, I guess, is, is what you'd call that, um, alertness. Um, there are torches uh, that are uh, going to light up certain areas of the board, and, and so the stealth mechanics, a lot of it comes from the interplay between the light being produced by torch cards and the vision area that's that's being observed by the guard cards, and they continue to expand on that idea throughout the game. So by con- so that so this game is very much about sort of the space of the cards. The cards are the are the gameplay area. The grid of cards is you know you you are a card. All of the Obstacles and items and other elements of the game are also cards and it all takes place on this grid um, Missile cards by contrast is a little different.
2: Yeah, so with missile cards um, It's set up Similar to how you'd expect sort of a missile command game uh, the left half of your screen is your base along the bottom uh, and it's set up on like a grid it's si- it's uh, six down and i think maybe six across maybe a little bit longer with your base at the bottom and much like card thief or really any card games you have a deck of cards and throughout this deck of cards are hazards so things like uh, bombs comets uh nukes all sorts of things it gets you know increasingly uh ridiculous but also it has your defenses so you'll have missiles as you'd expect um lasers there's shields, there's a lot of unlockables, a lot of different cards that you might have. And each turn, it's very much a turn-based game. Uh, a new card from your deck gets put on a sort of conveyor belt that's four across. And once the card gets reaches the end of the conveyor belt, it either goes back into your deck. If it's a uh, defensive card, or if it's a hazard, it gets put onto the grid. So a comet makes it all the way across it gets put into play, it'll start at the top of the screen above your base. Next turn, it moves down one. Next turn, it moves down one. And you only have those six turns to deal with the comet, or the bomb, or whatever. Uh, you do this by playing the defense cards onto your sort of activation, or um, I don't know what the best word of it, but for it is, but you basically have like a, um, a place where you load up weapons.
0: You have sort of a A tray or a hand, I guess. The charge station.
2: Yeah, tray, hand, charge station. Um, You'll pull like a missile that might do four damage, put it up in your charge station. It might take two or three turns to charge, but once it's charged, you tap on it, it fires the missile at the comet and kills it. That's the real simple version of it. Your base has a certain amount of damage it can withstand. You have sub-bases that can be hit and can be repaired. But Basically, you're trying to manage this increasingly uh, hectic amount of hazards coming down with the weapons that you have uh, available to yourself. So uh, you're balancing, you know, sometimes you might let a comet hit um, to save that rocket for the more damaging comet. That's right above it. Mm -hmm. Uh, Oftentimes there are three or more comets all coming at the same time, but you only have four slots for weapons. So uh, it's, it's kind of a, a tight rope juggling element where, you I really are.
0: liked that uh, about yeah. it. I, I, I'm sorry to jump in and, and cut you off, but uh, I really love the um, old Atari Missile Command, especially mm-hmm. if, when played with that those big honking track balls, right? And right. this had a really we're, we're talking I, one of the things I think that is really neat about both these games is that they match their theming to their rules really well. One of the most fun. Moments in that old Missile Command game is when you see a couple of um, a couple of asteroids coming down uh, and you're able to fire off uh, a rocket and, you know, they would explode and they would the, the explosion would kind of grow. And sometimes you could time it just right so you could hit one or two of the of the asteroids or that an asteroid would get caught in one of the explosions as it was expanding. Timing was so important. And that kind of push and pull of, you know, should I fire now or should I wait a split second? I felt like that was pretty interestingly mirrored yeah. in the, the the kind of uh, press your luck element of missile cards.
2: If you're looking at missile cards, any of the press or anything about it, you'll see people say that it's really, really difficult. And it is. It's very hard. Uh, odds are you're I think most likely you're not going to win each round. And that's where I think the comparison to solitaire, most people are calling this a a combination of missile command and solitaire. And while I don't, like, there's no element of solitaire that is like, oh, a four goes to a five, goes to a six, you know, what you think of a solitaire. What comes through from solitaire is the difficulty. There are hands of general solitaire that you are just not going to win because it was a bad Draw the the shuffle was bad luck and you cannot win it uh and that is absolutely true in this game. This is a game that is meant to be played a lot. You just pick up, you play a hand, much like you play a hand of solitaire. You might win, you might not. You put it down. Um, and so it, that is, I think, a lot of times you play these sorts of games and you expect I can win every single round, um, but that's not the case. You may lose from your own mistakes, but you may just lose from just bad luck. You just chalk it up and move on to the next one. So that's a very strong element of this game.
1: I mean, one of my favorite things about card games, um, whether they're digital or physical, is that combination of skill and random draw um, and the agonizing way that you can lose on the last card. And that's (laughs) arguably the most memorable games I've played and the most frustrating. And I had experiences with both of these games is that like you get down and you realize the inevitable death. You have not managed your resources properly and you have to play it out. That's the the only difference between physical cards is that in a real game of Solitaire, I would just wipe it and stop. (laughs) And here I have to sit and watch agonizingly one by one while something comes down and I'm powerless to stop it so to me both of these games um, I think I'm going to be playing at different times for different reasons I mean just as I'd play a stealth game versus an arcade game and I really like that both of them worked with cards
2: yeah so let's jump into some more specifics Um, let's talk about card Thief first
0: I wanna get into the mechanics of Card Thief, because if the game has one weakness, I think it's that it doesn't do a very good job of tutorializing. Um, so the, the, the game is all about sneaking. And in this game, sneaking is represented by a number on your Thief card. You have this stealth value. And uh, it starts off, I think, at 10. And it goes down an amount equal to anything that you actually have to sneak past. So if, you, if you're at a value of 10 and there's a guard next to you and he has a value of 1, uh, you can jump onto that guard card. Now you're 9 and that guard is removed from the board. And there are really... There's a lot of different cards in the game. But all the different cards boil down to one of three real kinds. There's cards that increase your score uh, and those are treasure cards those are free to walk across um but you don't necessarily always want to grab them right away uh there are cards that decrease uh your stealth score so that's enemies like the guards if you if you try and and uh sneak past a guard it, uh, you can only do it if you have enough stealth to sneak past that guard Uh, and then you lose that amount of stealth from your stealth value on your card. There's only one number uh, on each of these cards, which keeps things very simple and clear. The play space is so small, and the information that you're getting is so um, important, uh, but it's all just one number on each of these nine cards. So the third kind of card are cards that increase your stealth, and those are. there's really only two of those. There's a sneak card that looks like a little uh, tiptoeing foot and there is a hide card. And both of those kind both of those cards uh, are of course
2: super important to being able the to The hide card play. is where it's at.
0: Oh yeah. <laughs> is,
1: oh, yeah. <laughs> I want to jump in that, that that little bushel.
2: The barrel. Oh, the barrel, yeah.
0: So what really surprised me about this game when I first tried it out is that it doesn't what initially I looked at it as like a card game, but once I kind of saw past its uh, you know, it's card art, uh, it doesn't feel or play like a card game to me in a sense. It, it feels like a, a almost like an action puzzle game. So kind of, you've just Absolutely. described all this all this sort of moving around. What's really sort of strange about it is that really what it is is a game where you're sneaking around and moving on a grid. And so the cards are essentially just a grid of a room or space that you're sneaking through. And there's a lot of systems going on here, you know, sometimes these cards have multiple numbers on them, and those numbers all mean something, and it can be really overwhelming. When I first got into the game, like, none of this stuff made sense. I was losing for reasons that I couldn't completely understand. Hmm, uh, only the thief card. Only your own thief card ever has more than one number on it, and that's because it has your score and your stealth value. Uh, well, sometimes Which the sometimes saying. the guards have um, have loot that you collect, so that's a multiple numbers. And then there's also the little like icons, like an upwards arrow to indicate that they increase the difficulty of the path. There's a lot of information on, on this screen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's, there's a few different symbols. Uh, you're bringing up the idea of the path. Uh, can I just sort of jump sure. in there and explain the path? Because I think it's the most obscure and interesting element of this game. So... Uh, the game is is based around your stealth number, as as we mentioned. You you start off at ten, uh, and it can decrease and it can increase. And um, the game is all based on risk versus reward. And so the play space is so small. You have just this grid of nine cards that uh, that in order to institute some kind of risk, there's a there's a mechanic that encourages you to basically move from. Safe place to safe place, uh, but crossing through and taking risks on the way. Uh, and what does safe place mean? Basically it means, uh, anywhere you can,
1: you can successfully hide
0: a dim corner. Perfect. Yeah. So, um, any card that you're not touching. So let's say you're in the bottom right hand corner, uh, all the cards that you're not touching, which would be, uh, the top edge and the left edge, um, all of those cards will have a little up arrow in their symbols. And the up arrow indicates that these are cards that boost the path difficulty. And every one, every card that you move across uh, that has one of these arrows on it boosts the value, uh, positive or negative, of every other card on the board. Mm. Now, why would you want to boost the negative values? Um, it's so that you can get those sweet, sweet positive values, right? So, um, if you're sitting in the bottom left-hand corner, uh, the very best play for you to make would be for you to move unseen, uh, all the way around the circumference of the board, um, finally landing on a sneak card. Because by the time you land on that sneak card, its value is going to be really high and you're going to be able to boost your stealth above where you started. Now, you this, can't do that every turn. This is probably the most confusing thing about about this game at, at the start <laughs> is that you when until you understand that path mechanic, the the fact that like as you're planning your path and you can you can plan out your path and then undo it and plan it and undo it until you commit. Um True. when you when you're while you're planning out your path all the numbers on all of the cards are changing, and that's where this feels the mm-hmm. least like a card game to me, and the most like some sort of like I think of it as puzzle game. It's a lot like it reminds me most of Threes, which is a weird comparison. It's not quite that, but like it's a it's a game where you're moving things around, and it's on a grid, and these you know it's about it's a puzzle more than a, like a like a. Than what I traditionally associate with like card game mechanics, which are things like I play a card to take an action or I play a card to like, you know, uh, to something like solitaire where you're like essentially trying to like do sequences or or what have you. The numbers on those cards are not changing. This is a digital card game. Those numbers can change constantly. I would also compare it to sort of like a Sokoban type game where where your path through kind of a, a small box based World, uh, you know that the path itself really matters. It's not so much where you end up that is important. It's uh, did you uh, move across the board in a way that avoided being seen the entire time? Because uh, if you if you manage to to sneak through the entire level, um, then the game is going to can stay considerably easier. the The biggest thing that can really f you up in this game is if you are noticed by uh, enemies that can shout and make noise. Because every time that happens, uh, let's say a guard sees you as you walk past him in a lit square. Um, He's going to shout that he sees you, and now every guard on the board, their stealth value, their alertness value, uh, goes up. And you can really sink yourself that way. There's temporary boosts that they get. So like every time you move along the path, they get like like every card does. They get a temporary boost uh to their difficulty. But guards and and enemies can get permanent boosts to their difficulty by uh by hearing that you're there or by seeing you. And that's what really screws you over.
1: And I think something that's we're kind of talking about no oh things that I didn't learn till 30, 40 minutes in, which is a really mm. long time for iOS games. And I think that's because the tutorial focuses a lot on you understanding what all the numbers mean.
0: And the symbols. but
1: And symbols mean, but not necessarily... Um, they don't... H-
2: how to use do them. Do that
1: extra step and show a couple strategies.
2: Yeah. Um, yeah.
1: I think it's hard to see in that first version, you get... Um, I was playing like a typical card game. I I, I saw the cards. I was thinking of maybe it's like a tile placement game. Um, But cards to me mean deck management. Mm -hmm. So I was looking and saying, oh, I probably need to clear this many guards per round or by the end, I'm not going to have any barrels. You know, I was trying to resource manage. And I think it, it took a while for me to realize resource management is a expert level skill in this game, it is yes. not required to get through. The biggest thing you can do is is manage your path because if you never um, have a very hard path, I mean, you shouldn't have like 13, you shouldn't have a deck of torches or the whole thing is lit up and you're going to get caught. But it, it's more of like a survival mechanic rather than the core gameplay.
0: Yeah, you're managing things like like torches, You're, you you want to make sure that the the whole board doesn't get flooded with light because then it'll be much easier for you to be seen. But it's equally important to make sure that you are um, that you are boosting the value of the uh, of the sneak cards uh, in order as you collect them, and so that's usually worth worth a lot of risk. There's a huge element of tension and risk and reward uh, in this game where. Um, you know, sometimes it's very much worth it to be seen by a guard just to, just to be able to get to, let's say, uh, a hiding place, which is the barrel cards, which are one of the most important cards in the game. Um, and what I really liked about that, um, is Laura, you're saying that the, um, resource management becomes a kind of a, a, a strategy late in the game, um. Learning the deck is a big element to this game. So when you play, the, there's only, four, um, there's only four castles, and each castle is a different deck of cards. And I think there's like 50-ish cards in a deck. I, I don't remember the exact number. Uh, but in that first one, after you've played it a few times, you'll, you'll realize a few things about it. First, there's only one hide card in the entire castle. There's only one hide card in that deck. And those are super valuable cards because as there's no bottom, there's no limit to how bad or how good your stealth rating can get. Uh, but if it gets really, really bad, like you get negative 20 or something, um, which is totally possible, you can jump into one of those barrels, and as long as there's no light, you can jump into the barrel and it'll reset your stealth to 10. Um, and so hanging on to that card and keeping it on the board for when you need it is something that really helped me finally to get through the first castle. Um, and also realizing where the other cards fall. Uh, we haven't mentioned at all the main goal of this game, which is the treasure chests. Exactly halfway through the deck, the treasure card will be put out on the board. And I think this is perfect because at this point, um, you know, y- you know, okay, I can collect this now or. I can keep playing. I can press my luck. I can leave that treasure chest there and collect it later because the, the value of the treasure chest gets higher every turn you don't collect it. Um, and so all of this together, there's so many different press your luck mechanics all working together in the same way uh, that it really drives you to... Just think, oh, I can do it. I can do it. I can
2: do it. And then it all goes wrong, which is perfect for a heist. So I have just about unlocked the third castle. And I did not know about 75% of what you've just been saying. Strategy, (laughs) Yeah, the game also allows because it lets you set up your path. See, oh, that's a good path. That's not a good path and just take it back and like you see the outcome before you do it. I was basically able to trial and error my way and enjoying it. I'm not I was not just like ramming my head against this. Uh I didn't really know what was happening, why the numbers were changing the way that they were, but I it almost became a different strategy for me it was like sussing out the best path um that was available to me in this moment and just kind of learning it that way. So I probably would have done it faster and better uh, had I known all this stuff but I I don't know if it's totally necessary. I'm sure if you you can optimize um, but I was getting some pretty good
1: scores. And I think that it's a game where it's very very rich and deep and you can get through it by just kind of going through it but I keep thinking of uh board games like the amount of strategy in some of the great recent crop of board games, especially in um, some of the card-based ones, you you have... It's not just when you play something or when you move through it. This adds a lot of mechanics and a lot of layers that you can only get by um, being able to first the term. And Reagan mentioned threes. I think threes is an interesting comparison, not because the mechanics are the same, but because you can preview your actions. Mm -hmm. And I think previewing what something does is what makes this game work, because it's a strategy game, and it's, I mean, it's like, for people who haven't played 3s, it's kind of super hottie. You get to think your way through before you make your action, and then... <laughs> like,
2: <laughs> super hottie out of context is a really funny way to describe something.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, it's just yeah, super Yeah, but it's, it's that same, like, mm-hmm. you get to think and plan, and then make your move, and then you... Your little thief runs past and pickpockets a billion guards and you jump in a barrel and feel really cool and then on come eight torches and you're dead. <laughs> that's that's how I play guard thief.
0: So we just discussed a bunch of like super crunchy number details about this game, but what really makes it work for me, um, and I, I, I did pick up on most of that stuff. But what really made it work? There's so much depth to it; it's ridiculous. We we aren't even talking about half the mechanics. Uh, we haven't talked about pickpocketing. Mm-hmm. We haven't talked about any of the power-up cards that you can you can collect and unlock and level up. Uh, there's so much going on. But my, my point being Shane that that most of that stuff is it works in a way that it if it feels like a good strategy from a stealth game perspective then it's probably also a good strategy from a cards and numbers and crunching the you know crunching perspective uh, like yeah, isn't that neat it's done an amazing job and I, it almost makes it feel to me as if they must have started from the theme and worked their way up. Some of the, some of the mechanics seem so obtuse and unlike other card games that I've played that it really feels as if they probably must have started from how do we do a stealth game on a grid, and then worked up to some of the more uh, elaborate card mechanics of it. I wonder like what the process was on this game, but it just feels what you know. I don't even see the cards or numbers anymore. If I just play it like a stealth game, it mostly just works the way you'd
1: expect. Well- they kind of adapted their own game. So the studio uh, Tiny Touch Tales had a game uh, called uh, Card Crawl. And what they did then it said, what if we could condense this down to a solitaire? And then, and then they said, what if we could, I'll do you one more, what if we could do this down on a three by three grid and keep all of the stealth dungeon crawler things in that grid. So they were translating mechanics onto the grid as kind of a game design uh, challenge for themselves. And they started prototyping it and we're like, oh no, this works really well. So they've actually talked about it as a not, a, not a sequel, but like a inspired by their own work of, they really liked a lot of these mechanics and they really wanted to push them into narrower, more focused gameplay.
0: I never got a chance to play Card Crawl, but it got crazy good reviews for an iOS game. Like I know that Touch Arcade has just recently did an article about it where they were like, "It's a modern classic." We know it's only two years old, but here we're we're celebrating its anniversary or something. Like it was it was like almost ridiculous. So this is Card Crawl was a game that people absolutely loved. Um, I still haven't gotten a chance to actually give it a try. Card Thief was just you know. the, the current hotness on the app store, but I mean, <laughs> gosh, this is like, I, I don't know. I've really, really enjoyed playing this game. And I, I, it's been the thing that I've been playing on the couch while I'm like watching TV or while I've been in the grocery store waiting for Jamie to find whatever she's looking for. Or, you know, this is, this is like, it, it's filled a three size hole. In my like gaming world, like I I've, I've topped out on threes. I can't play another game of threes because I'll never get any better. But like this is a game that like it solves that same itch for me in a way that I wasn't expecting it to. And can I spend a minute just glowing about uh, the art and the menus mm. in this game? So first off, uh, every card doesn't just have one illustration; it has several illustrations, and. The illustrations themselves give you information. So, an illustration of a thief uh, has many different states. The eyes on the little the, the illustration of a guard uh, they they look with their eyes in the direction that they're paying attention to, which you know already is pretty neat. Uh, if they're alert, uh, they'll they'll pick up their shield. Um, and of course, if they're lit or unlit, makes a big difference in the appearance of the card. There's the torches coming on and off, and light is a huge mechanic in the game. And every single card has at least a couple of different things that'll change uh, based on what's going on. Some of them are really tremendous. Like, uh, for example, there's, there's these characters called overseers that are uh, like guards that carry their own torches and uh, first off, their illustration is hilarious. All the bad guys look like orcs and goblins, and, and they're terrific. And these guys are like little goblins carrying torches. Uh, but if you hit them with a water arrow, which is one of the power-up items, uh, it puts out their torch, and they get soaked, and they get so pissed off, and it's delightful. <laughs> um, and they also, they also if it gets dark, like if you put out a a, a light around them, they get scared. Um so the enemy cards have a lot going on. There's a lot to love. Um and the other cards have kind of really informative uh illustrations as well. Like the uh the hide card uh if it's lit to let you know that you can't uh hide in it, it shows a closed barrel. But if it's unlit, uh it sh- it's it shows a dark a barrel in the dark with two little thief's eyes peering out of it. Uh and so there's there's so many great little touches like that. And so all of that taken together, super super good. Uh, I I can't say enough good things about the art of this game. All of it is fabulous. It is <laughs> super good.
2: Yeah, I think that's what. Um, while there's little bits and pieces, you know the the um, tutorial is a little bit too obscure. The game itself is maybe a little bit too obscure as far as its mechanic goes. But you throw in this, like, beautiful artwork, fantastic theming, the fact that you don't, I'm proof positive that you don't actually even really have to understand the game to to uh, proceed through it. Um, well, and- yeah, but figuring it out, I
0: think, is a huge part of the joy of the game. There are elements of the game. There are mechanics that are not explained anywhere, including the tutorials. Uh, like, for instance, and I'm going to say mini spoiler break here if you want to figure this out on your own, I guess. Uh, but you'll probably figure it out in the first 10 turns. Uh, if you manage to remove every card from the board, like if you clear all eight cards other than the thief card, uh, you hide just as though as you had gone into a barrel and you get boosted back up to 10. So there's a lot of times where that's totally worth doing. So, anyway.
2: Yeah. And I'm not – yeah, and, and I'm not saying that I, I need – you know, <laughs> like to go into any strategy game, like, f- thank you for that 100-page manual. Now I understand everything top to bottom. But I think we all agree that the game does not necessarily necessarily set you up for very much understanding um, when you first jump in. Yeah.
0: A- anytime I open up a game and there's a section in the menu called, like, lessons, I'm like, Ugh.
1: Yeah. I-, I have seen – I think it's just maybe they needed a couple rounds of like, lighter rounds before they introduce new mechanics. It, it's hard to say how they could have changed the tutorial up, but um, it is a lot of numbers right off the bat before you, you start, like, grokking it for yourself.
2: Yeah, and I don't yeah. even know if this is necessarily a criticism of the game because you get there and it's fine. You just got to give it time. Yeah, it's just an, it's a, it's an element of the game that I, I think is an important discussion. So
1: Yeah. On the plus side, if you want a card game where the animation is in service of the mechanics and not just really fancy ways to shuffle card decks. Throwing some shade on many (laughs) card games I've played where most of the animation is card decks. This one has a lot of personality, and (laughs) I really appreciated it. Um, If you like strategy games, if you like um, really digging into a game over time, I think this is kind of a play a couple rounds, Pick it up, look at it, learn new things, uh, you know, turn to the side, learn new things. Um, It's a lot deeper than you would expect for a mobile game.
2: So I think we've pretty much covered um, as much as we can about Card Thief. I think we all definitely recommend it if this sounded interesting. One last thing
0: we should say about it, it's two bucks, which is a very good fair price for this game. Uh, totally. If you're on Android, it's one of those like download and there's a two dollar unlock to remove ads. On iOS, it's just a flat two dollar charge. I-, I always feel like it's this important game to would say be so
1: frustrating with video ads. Oh man, I-, <laughs> yeah. I-, I
0: feel like it's really important to say with with these games because so many card games are based on in app purchases for like packs or decks. There's none of that in either of the games we're talking about. These are both oh, totally yeah. self contained, single purchase games.
2: Buy the whole game or buy the game, you get the whole game. It's mm-hmm. it's great. That's my preferred. You know, I think. I'm not alone in that sort of thought that I think that's the best way to handle. uh, I guess you could say I would rather buy a game and not play it than play
0: a game and not buy it.
2: To uh, segue into missile cards, you know, we just spent a lot of time talking about the complexity and maybe the obscurity of the the rules and the mechanics of Card Thief. Uh, Missile cards might be quite the opposite. This game, you could figure, it has a tutorial, but I don't think you would even necessarily have to do it. Um, It is very straight up and very very clean and um, very very. I don't know. Efficient in its design. There's very. There's no wasted space. Everything is straight to the point, and I think very, very clear on what everything can do and why you might use it. Um, so I, we should probably open it up a little bit more. Uh, Missile Cards was developed by one guy. I'm always infinitely impressed by this. Uh, we've covered other games where one person does the whole thing. Um, that's
0: always so cool to hear. Yeah, yeah. is Uh,
2: it's Nathan Munier. I'm sorry anything, if I got yeah. his. Munier, I get his name uh, last name wrong. He did everything. Uh, music has a great, you know, sort of chip tunes um, soundtrack design. Really? coding mm-hmm. he did a hundred percent of this game himself, including the uh, the original PC and then the port to uh, iOS entirely mm-hmm. done by one guy. Which, I mean, uh, the, this game could be. of what it is, and I'd be impressed that anybody can put together an entire game by themselves, let alone that this is a total package.
1: Yeah, I really like how um, compact this game feels, but that it keeps unlocking new stuff. I am all for ridiculous challenges scaling over time. Uh, And a game like Missile Cards, where you're defending a base, has it all roped into it. But, I mean, something I really liked reading the press kit is that it was like... Things like solo card play, no other human beings required to have fun. Um, (laughs) Like delicious punishment. This game is hard. Yes, that's intentional. (laughs) That kind of stuff is in the game. So if you like that language, it's the same flavor is in the, um, you know, the one screen quick things of like, oh, now there are nukes.
2: (laughs) Yeah. And there's even like straight up like weird jokes in it. If you go into the settings page, there's a button that just says... uh, it says something like world destruction, world self destruction, destroy world humanity, destroy humanity. Okay. And you just tap it and it goes and the whole screen shakes, you know, just a little button built in. That's a joke. Uh, and I don't really feel like you see that very often. It, the, all of the language has a very light tone. Um, you know, Hey, the world, you're like, this is probably going to suck for you. <laughs> Good luck. Uh, is all throughout it. Um, and it is hard. I mean, I kind of touched about it, touched on it at the beginning. Um, there are times where, so like your your base has, uh, you know, starts out with like three health, and the first card that comes out may be a comet that does like four damage, and it's aimed at your base, and there's just literally nothing you can do, uh, and you lose. And that kind of might feel bad, but you um, know, was thinking it back to like solitaire, I've actually played a lot of solitaire. There are times when you play solitaire where you will not make, you'll make it through one shuffle of the deck and have no more moves and games over. Like that's just how the game works. So, um, but what you can do is start to optimize and start to learn how to store your resources, start to, um, you know, oh, I've got this missile that does two damage. Um, the thing that's about to hit my main base only does one. I've got three health points left i'm just gonna let it hit so i'll save that rocket for a later time um things like that and also there's some unlockables that give you new sub base weapons and new tools for fixing your base things like that it becomes a resource management game is kind of how it felt
0: i also think it has a really fast paced pace compared to something like card thief like it's a uh the cards are coming at you on a conveyor belt and your choices that you're making are always just sort of like one card choice at a time you know you're not planning some complex path with lots of complex changing numbers you are presented with you know up to about 4 cards that you can do something with plus possibly as many as 3 or 4 weapons that might be usable at any given time you're making a choice of one thing to do and then the game progresses one turn one action one turn mm-hmm. and that's i think actually a really Um, I think that can be undervalued. Like a lot of my favorite card and board game games, uh, sort of develop that that sort of forward momentum, that speed by really restricting you to like one action at a time, and you know keeping it simple. So this game plays fast, which is like a I, I think really appropriate for its theme of you know there's things raining down from the sky, and you have to make relative what I mean. You're still it's still turn based, but you it feels like you're making snap quick decisions, even though you have all the time you really want to consider each individual choice.
2: Yeah, I uh, I think that's a great point. That is also one of my favorite things in a board game. Whenever you're maybe teaching it to someone, and you're gonna say like, okay, it's gonna feel like there's a lot coming at you, but at the end of the day, on your turn. You can only do like one of these three things. So don't get mm-hmm. don't get lost in all of everyone else's turns or what's going on in the board. You can do like a build action or like a collect action or whatever. And in this game, it's you can fire a rocket, you can place a card, or you can discard a card, or um, yeah, basically that's it. I think, or skip your turn. So yeah. You're either firing placing a card to use later, discarding a card, or skipping a turn to let the conveyor belt move. And when you think of it that way, it does. It moves really quickly. You are very limited in your options.
0: One of the things I, f- I found kind of surprising about the game, because I didn't think at first that it was a, had much in common with deck-building games, which is the other big genre of card game. But in a way, you are. Uh, it's more like deck deconstructing or deck unbuilding Hmm. because you're essentially at the heart in a game you are pairing you're trying to efficiently make pairs of um, asteroids and weapons in order to destroy Mm. the the Mm -hmm. the asteroids Um, and you know as you do that you have to let certain cards roll and reshuffle back into the deck in order to keep them as a resource that you know you're going to need later So you want to, as, so in the back of your mind, you kind of have this, this idea of like, uh, there's a lot of, uh, bad cards left in this deck. I better keep
2: some of my stronger good cards. Yeah, there's nothing worse than having to use a six damage missile on a one damage comet. You're like, I Mm -hmm. did something I did not plan right. Yeah, we're going to die. Yeah, because now you know there's probably going to be like a five or six damage comet that's going to come later in the hand. And I'll have to string together multiple shots on it or I'm just going to have to take the damage, um, which may or may not end the game for you.
1: And I'll do you one better. Um, there is a, like the, one of the first cards you get as an unlock um, when they think you've got a handle in the game is you have a nuke and you have to kind of hit it once and unlock it down to one point and then hit it again. And if you don't hit it again, your entire base blows up because it's a nuclear missile. I got to the end mm-hmm. of the game and a nuke with one that had been di- disarmed with one left in it. I flipped the deck. I've got four batteries.
2: Uh huh.
1: That's it. That's Aww. all I have in my deck are four batteries. And I just keep cycling through them, watching a nuke slowly fall as I can do <laughs> nothing because I have no weapons, no more comets, nothing's falling on me. I just, just have the... was off by one. Well, And, with and that's nukes, the kind of thing this game, like it felt really good and memorable, but I was also like, why didn't I manage my resources? I,
2: I like nukes because it's, you They come down at any number of, like, two to four or five damage. You have to disarm them. Uh, once they're disarmed, they they uh, if an if a intact nuke hits, it's game over. If an, a disarmed one, it just deals the damage that it turned into, which is normally one.
1: Um, oh, I thought it exploded everything. No,
2: but what might happen is... So you have your main base, which has hit points. But then you have sub-bases, you know, because they're all coming down on this grid. So it might come in the middle, which is your main base. might come left or right, which is uh, your sub-bases. They can take one hit, any amount of damage. But if they get hit again, it's game over. So what probably Mm -hmm. happened is your uh, disarmed...
1: Uh, That's probably what happened. Yeah, Your disarmed nuke fell on a...
2: On a previously hit thing. So sometimes, because it's random number generator, at least... it. Whatever system is working in the back, I don't know. But it it feels random which Mm -hmm. column the comets and nukes and stuff come down. And sometimes you get really bad luck where, like, it'll be, like, two nukes back-to-back on the same column. So you have to hit them four times. But the way the missiles work or the the weapons, unless you're using a special power-up, will only shoot the lowest thing on the column or in the grid. So Mm -hmm. you can't target like, oh, I'll let that one that's going to hit a sub base. I'm not going to shoot that one. I'm going to shoot the nuke that's above it to get to the nuke. You'd have to shoot that other one. So there's this like weird timing where you're like, okay, sometimes I'm going to let it go down. Let that other one hit my base. So that the one that I want to hit is the lowest one. But when it's back to back nukes, you basically have to get through like four shots when there's only six spaces to even go through, um, and you have to have all these weapons stored up, and you can just get yourself in really, I mean, like unwinnable situations. Um, and and part of the way to avoid that is kind of what Shane was talking about: is you know sometimes letting weapons, even though you might have an empty space, thinking like now's not the best time for me to have this weapon. I'm gonna let it get shuffled back into my deck. So that I might get it. I will at some point get it back later in the game.
0: Huh. Yeah. I actually did not pick up on, on that bit of strategy. And I think that would have helped me a lot. Um Oh, one other thing I thought I should mention about the this game that I think it did really, really well, and probably better than than Card Thief, is the sort of mini challenges, you know, games mm-hmm. that involve a lot of like replaying of short levels, puzzle games, and things like this. Uh, strategy, or or you know, I think one of the most important things they can do is like vary up the gameplay by giving you sort of like mini challenges that are tangential to your sort of main goal. Like, yeah, don't don't let your base get exploded, but also, you know. Uh, get a score of X or higher or, you know, win the level without using any missiles or you know, I don't know. There, there are these sort of little like achievement type of prestige, you know, uh, missions within the game. And I, I think that Car Thief has those um, and you do them in order to unlock uh, upgrades to your gear, but I found them kind of confusing to to accomplish in Card Thief because it, it really only just sort of tells you about them deep in the uh in the like item upgrade menu. And then you have to go into the the heist and there's no like Yeah, there's no um, way to see uh what those goals are. And so some of the cards were really hard for me to upgrade. Although some of the cards that you can get are extremely valuable in progressing through the game. I, I in particular, I found uh I, I made a concerted effort to get the maximum upgrades for the Blackjack uh, in order to um, uh, to progress through the second or third one, mm-hmm. uh, the second or third castle. Um, and, and that's where I mean it kind of ties back to what we were just talking about with, um, with missile cards, uh, managing what's in the deck because the blackjack uh, knocks a card back into the deck. Um, and that's really valuable in Card Thief because, uh, some cards are, you know, their value gets boosted up high enough. They're really hard to deal with. Uh, and then other cards like the hide cards are way more beneficial to you later in the game, uh, than they are early in the game. Uh, And so being able to knock that kind of thing back into the deck and have it dealt out again later can be really, really beneficial.
1: Yeah. Storage is kind of one of the. Not hidden mechanics, but it's one of the, the crucial mechanics. And you start kind of keeping an eye on your uh, card counter much more than you'd think you would in a game where missiles are raining down.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, and with missile cards, too, this, uh, these objectives, there's primary objectives, which are generally related to the level, like the first time you run into nukes. One of the primary objectives is to disarm, like, 15 nukes. And that's actually how you progress in the game. You have to hit these three primary objectives to be able to move to the next base. And then there's also bonus objectives that are just, like, trickier versions. Uh, and one of my first concerns about this game is that I felt like I got pretty good at the first base that I wanted to move to the next one. I'd, I'd won a couple hands, and I was like, okay, I got it. I need a better challenge. But I was like, I have to disarm you know, 15 or 20 nukes mm. or whatever, that's going to take like 10, uh, you know, who knows how many games I'd have to do this. Um, and at first that felt like a bummer because I was like, man, I want, I want this to, to, uh, I want to progress. I want to play. I want it to get harder, faster. I don't want to play the same hands over and over. But then again, I had to like take that sort of step back that this is supposed to be a, like a repetitive sort of solitaire game where you're just playing hands. Um, and once i took that approach to it like like i stopped thinking about like rushing through this game as like a challenge game and more just like a mastery game and more just like instead of playing solitaire i'm playing missile cards uh and it kind of changed my whole approach and i ended up really really enjoying playing the same hands over and over and learning what the cards you know what type of cards were in each deck and and kind of getting a strategy and by the end of it i I had a opposite sort of um, experience as far as difficulty. The final level is supposed to be the hardest one. There's a ton of new challenges. The the columns are reduced, so bombs are coming in the same rows more often. And I almost found it to be the easiest level because I had played <laughs> so. Because I had don't like, brag, Nate. No, I I know, and I'm <laughs> trying not to. I'm, but like because now you're entitled. No, <laughs> because the game for i i the repetitiveness that forces you to to play the game over and over and over in order to unlock mm-hmm. the goals allowed me or forced me to be really good at it in order to even get to that part point if that makes sense so when at first I wanted that really quick progression uh, and was bummed that it wasn't, I think it actually made it better that you're forced to sit on each level for a longer amount of time
1: one thing we mentioned one man game studio for this game. Um, but I want to say already he's been super communicative. Like he's been on forums. He answers everybody's questions. He's been really f- forward about like how things are selling, what he might want to do later. He says he's got all these weird prototypes for other card games. Cause like solitaire card games are his, his favorite thing to design. Um, so, you know, all of that communication, good entry price, you know, um, clearly an eye towards what he could develop if it sells well. Um, And I'll say that also for Card Thief, like if card crawl is anything to go off of, they had an enormous update log of changes that they've made to card crawl. So like, you know, new cards, new modes, new unlocks, um, clearly an eye towards maintaining. So, you know, we say that premium games are, you know, our favorite things, but, There are some developers who seem like they're going a little beyond just putting out a premium game and maintaining it. But to keep giving updates, to keep talking back to people, um, you know, to have a conversation is just a little extra. And um, for little games like this that feels like, you know, a card game, like how much could we talk about? Well, we've talked about it for a really long time and the devs for both games seem really awesome.
0: They so. seem really proud of their work, which is always nice to see. Like, you, both of these, like, you can really see that there was a lot of
2: care and and, and pride put into these. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we didn't even really touch on the um, the design of Missile Cards, but again, the guy, he did everything himself. It's, like, so crisp and great little animations, and I know, um, same with Card Thief, like, I'm looking forward to seeing how these games, let alone what they do next, but, like, these games expand. I'm sure that they'll be... Um, Or it sure seems that they'll be adding more to these games.
0: I definitely hope so. I'll tell you one thing: I hope that they add to to uh, missile cards that uh, the other one has portrait, portrait orientation.
1: Mm. Mm. And he wrote a lot about why he might not be able to offer portrait orientation in the forums. It's just kind of like a he's this one man dev shop, and portrait costs money. But maybe oh, I bet it
0: is. I bet it's hard. I mean, you you gotta rearrange all the bits. I don't I know how it works.
1: <laughs> it's, I've designed multiple apps for both. And basically, you have to get the client to pay a lot more money for it. And they don't understand why. Um, and that's for like an app with 20 screens on it. So I hesitate to even think mm. it's going to be a whole UI overhaul.
0: Yeah, particularly a game that began on a PC. I would pay upwards of a dollar for it.
1: You <laughs> <laughs> can pledge a dollar towards getting a portrait. <laughs> Unlock. Mm. It's pretty awesome when people can do it, but I I, I sympathize a lot as someone who des- has designed apps. Before.
0: Yeah, for sure. Particularly, particularly when you're you know when they're targeting like okay, this is coming coming out on Steam and on iPhone. Well, of course you're going to make oh, it yeah. landscape orientation. All that made perfect sense to me. I'm I'm uh, I'm just wishing uh, because so many of my favorite iOS games are portrait orientation games that I can play with one hand. That's true. Although I found I was able to play uh, both of these games one handed, you know, even with my gigantic phone. The nice thing about um, about uh, missile cards is that all of the actual touch targets are on the right half of your screen, and so if you're holding oh, you're the right. phone. Uh, like landscape size style, like as if you were gonna like I don't know take a photo with it or whatever. I can do it all with my right thumb, and I don't have to hold the phone two handed at all. It works just fine. So um, you go make a good point. Yeah, even even though it isn't portrait orientation, it can still be played one handed pretty much fine, in my opinion. Well, oh, then I'm keeping my dollar. <laughs> <laughs> <Don't move forward. laughs> yeah. don't give him a buck for that. <laughs> 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 well, I do hope we see more from both of these these games and developers. I know that like. Uh, you know, I haven't reached the end of the four castles in card thief yet, but I know that when I do like it's got a, uh, it's got a daily crawl thing and I'm sure I'll get some mileage out of that, but there's nothing like more, you know, more campaign, new cards, always fun. So, uh, hopefully we'll see more of that soon, uh, for set for these games, if they are as successful as we hope they've been, I guess we don't have an announcement yet about what we're covering next week.
2: Uh, so stay but tuned. But we're always looking for suggestions, so, uh, you know.
0: Hit
1: us yeah. up. You can rip yourselves away from Games Done Quick, which will be over by the time this posts anyway. <laughs> so
0: Oh, man. Have you guys uh, ha- any particular Games Done Quick speedruns that you guys want to call out as interesting for folks who are going back I just, and catching uh, up Every later? year, if I have a chance to see them, I didn't even play, like, Donkey Kong N64 when I was a kid. But the 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 speed runs for that are just a master class in how broken games can actually be and how, like, fucking garbage uh, <laughs> the, the code behind a game that is otherwise fun can actually be. So that that sort of thing, like, really heavily uh, glitch-based speedruns are, like, very much my bag, uh, yeah. even when they're for games that just I, I'm not even going to play.
1: But even if you want to see some that are, like, not super glitchy, I mean... Banjo Kazooie is like two hours twenty minutes ish. Um, that's the the target time. I won't spoil how far it is, but <laughs> it's the goofiest game because they're like talking about how they need to do. They're like, yeah, we got to do a beat bong. Like we got to get that beat bong precision correct. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, we gotta if we don't like if we don't jump in the air, then he's gonna do his jingo dance. And it's like. All the language is absurd. <laughs> the platforming is incredible. He's it was it's a hundred percent run, so it means he's collecting literally every single of the little silly power ups and little trinkets you have to catch in that game. And the couch gets in on it. People at some point going like everyone starts. There's a song that gets sung at one point. <laughs> he's like, there's a mini game, and he has a song. Um, I also say Guacamole. Oh um, yeah by the guy who ran Ori and the Blind Planet last year, and Mirror's Edge Catalyst, um, mm. which I caught at the end. That game is just like super cool parkour, and then if you break it, you just run up walls. Insane. Like, like it's parkour that's even more broken, which is the <laughs> best kind of parkour.
0: <laughs> that's nice. I, I have not watched very much of this year's, because just all the ones that I really wanted to see happened to be at times where I was I was occupied with life events. Nate, you wouldn't know anything about that. Yeah. No. Um, and uh but the the two that i'm Actually, the three that I'm most looking forward to going back and watching, uh, and they've just started putting them up on YouTube now as we're speaking, so they'll probably be up by the time this episode is out, would be Near Automata. The first run of the event was run by Half Coordinated, who's the speedrunner who ran uh, Momodora 4 last year. We did an episode that was not our best episode, but an amazing game on uh, (laughs) on Momodora 4. That game is so good. And his speedrun last year was amazing. Uh, Half Coordinated has a disability that I don't recall the details of, but essentially he only has use of one hand. And so he plays, uh, he plays these games at this incredibly high level one handed and there'll be a, you know, a camera on his hand as he's doing this with these console controllers. It's absolutely insane to watch. And I'm playing near automata right now and can't wait to see him wreck that game one handed. It's going to be nuts. Um, but then also, uh, we did, uh, assault Android cactus last year and there was a late, late night speed run. I didn't get to see it cause it was like 1am for me, but, um, uh, some folks did a speedrun of the co-op uh, campaign of that. I really, really want to watch. Um, and uh, Dishonored 2, I think, is the, fir- this is the first time it's being run. Uh, and Dishonored speed runs are always super, super cool. Because once folks really get to a high level with that game, they're just, it's insane. So really looking forward to seeing that one, too. Well, thanks one more time for tuning in uh, and downloading and listening to the very end of our podcast. Um I can't but It
1: sounds like we're never recording again. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the very end, the of, end of this episode, episode. We had a good run, <laughs> our guys. Podcast, but now, now Nate has a baby, so mm-hmm. <laughs> That's right. We all quit video games. Uh but if you have if you haven't quit video games, we'd love to hear from you. Uh tell us what you think about this podcast and about video games and about Nate's baby. Uh you can <laughs> leave Nate's baby a review, leave a review on iTunes In <laughs> iTunes. <laughs> uh Please do. (laughs) Uh, Please rate Nate's Baby five stars, because I do. Also, you can find us online. Uh, We have a website, uh, which is at www.theshortgame.net. You can also find me on Twitter. I'm at 8BitShane, which I check
2: occasionally. Uh, Where are you, Nate? Besides constantly checking to make sure that Lola is still breathing, uh, I am... Uh, on Twitter at Nate STL.
0: How about you, Rig? I'm on Twitter at and K. That's R A Y G A N K. And L Dog?
1: I'm not L Dog. I'm <laughs> at Laura J. Nash on Twitter. <laughs> I wish I had L Dog, although that would probably have the wrong connotation.
2: My um, first uh, AOL instant messenger name was. Indog nine six one. Nine six one being my Boy Scout troop. No big deal. <laughs> <Nice>.
1: <laughs> Not actually Nate Dog the Rapper. Well did you know of Nate Dog the Rapper? But
2: I was also okay.
1: <laughs> 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 That's a Ten? little less embarrassing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <So. laughs> and thank you for joining us on this episode of the Short Game.
1: <laughs> <laughs> do, do, do 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 Ending.